bit like me, you probably have a closet full of local band merch. And whether you know it or not, a lot of that band merch was probably made by Divine Shirt Company right here in Winnipeg. Divine Shirt Company has made all of the Great Witch Police merch from our hoodies to our toques to our t-shirts. And if you're looking to get anything done, like screen printing, embroidery, graphic design, digital printing, go to see Divine Shirt Company at divineshirtcompany.ca and tell them which police radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. Uh, I have, this is my first episode back after taking a bit of time off uh, dealing with COVID, and this is a big group. <laughs> it's kind of a good way to start, just with a crowd of people. And uh, I think the best way to start this off is if the uh, four of you who are here want to introduce yourselves and what you do in the group, and then we can sort of uh, take it from there, uh, because there's a lot of voices, and it would be nice for listeners to be able to put a name to the voice. So I guess I'll start um, on my left, uh, on my screen anyway, and that's Kyle. So if you want to start by introducing oh, yeah. yourself, and sure. uh, we'll go from there. I'm Kyle. I play saxophone and Dirty Catfish Brass Band, and I'm the band's manager. Cool. Uh, I can go next. Uh, my name is Aaron Chodaker. I'm the keyboard player for the band, so I play piano, organ, guitar, accordion. Uh, I also do singing backup for the band, and yeah. Cool. I'll go next. Sure. Uh, I'm uh, Andrew Littleford. I am one of the two drummer players in the band, and I also do a decent amount of arranging and stuff for the band as well. Cool. Then we got one more here today. And I'm Joel. I play trombone. I'm one of the trombonists now. Um, <laughs> and uh, I do tech stuff, audio and video as well. Cool. What is the total size of the band at this point? Because I, I feel like, um, you know, I was trying to figure it out just by looking at pictures and videos. And depending on, has it been the same sort of uh, size the whole time? Or have you sort of shifted uh, in and out in terms of the amount of members? Uh, yeah, so we uh, we started as a nine-piece, and we are now eight-piece. Okay. Um, uh, but we sometimes grow to be a little bit bigger for bigger shows. We have uh, other people that join the group. Uh, great percussionist Scott Senior was a one-time member of the band when we were a ten-piece, uh, and then he's kind of just decided to join us when we are doing bigger shows. Right. Um, so we still kind of ebb and flow, but full-time members were at eight piece. Okay. Okay. And then um, like you've been doing this for, I guess it's probably over a decade now. And this whole situation everyone's in with, with COVID, I, I'm sick of talking about it. I'm sure you're sick of talking about it, but I mean, we've gone through two years and a bit where shows for, for any type of musicians really haven't been able to happen at all. So you know, over the course of doing this this show every week um, during this pandemic, I've talked to people of all different styles of music, and you know, you could have like a folk singer who accompanies themselves on acoustic guitar, and they don't really have any issues because they can still write. They can. There's no one to get together with to rehearse. But I mean, you have a big band like this. How has this been in terms of just trying to be together and and work on music because you know social distancing and and, and restrictions and all that. Um, I I. I think it's it's obviously been a challenge. It's been a challenge for everyone. Yeah. Um, there were there were certainly times where we um, we just couldn't rehearse because you know there was capacity of five people in a private residence, and there's more than five of us, and 
Um, sometimes we would do little writing sessions and I think for musicians in large, certainly, certainly personally, there was a, a period where I just kind of woke up every morning and went, okay, what, how do I have to reinvent myself today to, to survive? And we, uh, we spent a bunch of time in, in studio, uh, when we were able to do that and, um, plugging away at our, our upcoming album of all original music. And, um, and then, you know, we just kind of same thing, ebb and flow with, with, well, this is allowed so we can get together and rehearse and now it's not and now there's gigs and now there's not and and i guess it's still the case right now too right i mean now now there's gigs but (laughs) no one knows for how long hopefully (laughs) hopefully it continues right but does does having been a band for as long as you have does that that, that's got to help right even if you have this this kind of enforced time off you have sort of the muscle memory of playing together for so long and i imagine that would be uh i guess a a positive for you guys that maybe some other bands that are, are newer wouldn't have Totally. Yeah. We've been playing together for a long time and we've played, we've played a lot of gigs and, uh, I was, I, I want to say it was, uh, around July that we, in, uh, maybe the first or second summer where we played our first gig and we hadn't played gig in, you know, who knows, six, seven months. And it was, it actually was pretty good. We were very surprised on how well it went just because we we're, we're just so used to each other. We played this music for so long and, uh, it's so elastic and loose and to begin with just in its nature. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, kind of like riding a bike in that sense, but uh, it's probably due to the fact that we have been playing together for ten years. Well, I know, I know you're, you you've recorded, you, like you said, you're working on new stuff. Um, but I feel like the type of music you do is very it lends itself obviously really well to a live setting, right? I mean, you know, even even just seeing the size of the group on stage, it, it it's part of the appeal, and you just see all these horns coming at you and stuff, right? So I mean, that's got to suck too, right? Not having the opportunity to interact with an audience that way. I mean, I know you can still you have recorded music you can share during this time and everything, but what has it been like, sort of not having that live element that I I, I assume you thrive on? Uh, well, I think like what you were saying before about having been doing it for 10 years or so, now that things are opening up, we are getting lots of opportunities to play again. So I think that's kind of one of the strengths right now is we're starting to see things open up and uh, we're booked like maybe three or four shows a month now with private events, um, two monthly events happening in the city. Um, but yeah, when things were closed, there was not much... We, we just kind of decided to take some time for ourselves and instead of rehearsing or instead of playing gigs, we played more golf and hockey and uh, <laughs> just just hung out and just kind of built, um, you know, built our friendships and just kind of got closer in that way. Okay. Well, I and, think too that, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That, that, first, that first gig that Andrew was talking about was uh, induced such a state of euphoria for all of us just because you know yeah it's you're you're exactly right that it's 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 live and even when we're recording stuff we often kind of figure out how we're gonna how, how it works live and then we figure out how we can put it down on an album um but that uh that that first back i mean kind of kind of erased all the unpleasant memories of the previous six or eight or 14 months or whatever it was yeah. <laughs> Did you have more of a, uh, uh, like after that gig, was there another break between, was that in that brief time when shows were allowed to happen again, or was that more recently? Yeah, we had a good run at, at um, we had a couple gigs at the the Blue Note and the, the Beer Can kind of coming out of that. Uh, Winnipeg was super lucky to have venues like that yeah. that jumped on it right away and just kind of opened and said, hey, we can accommodate all of these restrictions, come and play, come and 
people come and hang out. And uh, so that was great um, that we had entre entrepreneurs and music lovers in the city that, that did that. Um, so we had we had a few gigs before things kind of shut down again. Well, and I guess um, one of you mentioned a few minutes ago too, the, you know, playing playing private gigs and things like that. And I guess that you have a bit of a different um, uh, approach to things than you know, say, a band that only plays clubs or only plays bars or only plays you know uh, things like that. I mean, you have it's seemingly a, a pretty wide range of the type of shows that you do. Do you have? Uh, was that always sort of uh, the goal with this band, or is that just how things worked out based on who was hearing you and who was getting interested in, in the type of stuff you're doing? Yeah, I don't know that it was necessarily a, a written goal, but we were always trying to, we knew our music was, or we knew the music we were playing could fit in a lot of different places. Uh, at the root of it, we're just trying to make people feel good and try to get people to dance. Yeah. So that can happen in a lot of places, I guess. So we can do it, like we, we're lucky that we can play festivals, um, or we can fit on festival stages and in nightclubs and um background music at corporate events and celebrations like we've played our um uh well todd who's not here tonight he always talks about how we are really lucky to be a part of so many different parts of our community so we've played at weddings we've played at funerals we've played at birthdays um so yeah we we can play pretty much anywhere it's awesome that was some of our gigs uh, when things opened back up was um, we did some birthday parades. Mm. So uh, people were having birthdays and we just would show up at their house. Usually it was a surprise to the person who was, uh, whose birthday was. And all of a sudden there's just this brass band walking down the street and we'd, we'd go for a stroll and everyone from, everyone from the party would follow us. And uh, that's, yeah, that's, I've never been in a band before that <laughs> does that kind of thing. So it's, it's really awesome. It's always fun. It was very cool just having the, having the advantage of being completely acoustic and be able to literally play anywhere. Not too many bands have that, have that capability. Yeah, yeah.
do you have to, um, I mean, obviously you have to alter your set a little bit if you're playing a funeral versus a birthday party, but I mean, uh, like, do you, do you sort of have like a, I guess a core set you play for different types of shows or do you, does it develop on the fly? Like do you say, okay, this week we were playing a funeral and a, and a birthday party and a club. How, how do you figure out sort of which stuff to play? I mean, there's obvious things you're not going to play at a funeral, for example, but you know what I mean? Like, is there, how malleable, I guess, is your set? I, 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 there's very malleable for sure. We got lots and lots of tunes in our, in our book that we've played some of them that we have, haven't played for years. And I'm sure we could play it on a gig tomorrow and probably do decent on it. Um, but there's definitely ever changing. Every single gig is, is, has a different set list and is, um, geared towards the gig that we're playing for sure. So sometimes it's completely all new Orleans music and other times, um, we want to kind of present our own music and we play a whole set of almost virtually all original music. So it will definitely depend gig to gig for sure. Well, I was going to ask about the the original music because, I mean, obviously you have been doing original music, you are doing original music, but then you look at, you know, your YouTube, for example, and you're getting hundreds of thousands of views on the, the Taylor Swift cover and all these covers are getting tons of attention. And obviously, you know, you're playing birthday parties and things like that. Cover songs are going to be part of the appeal. Is it Was it hard initially to sort of... Um, convince people that your original stuff was as worth listening to as these covers because i don't mean to be like insulting her or anything but i can see people taking it as a novelty sort of at first before sort of realizing what the band was you know just seeing oh it's a marching band haha right and thinking oh they're doing covers of of these pop songs and everything but i mean was it a hard sell to mix your own original stuff in with some of those whether it's standards or, or covers of you know popular more modern songs I, I don't know that I, I certainly have no knowledge of us ever experiencing any uh, any resistance That's good. from um, uh, for for our originals. I think generally when people come, they know it's going to be a party. They know they're going to be able to dance. There's going to be a lots of energy. Um, I think art- artistically, we definitely had conversations and continue to have conversations about how many covers we want to do, what what percentage of our rep that is, because there's great brass bands who have gone down that road yeah. and yeah. and decided, okay, we're going to be a brass band that covers pop tunes. And we decided we didn't want that to be what we were known for. Um, and I think, I think everything kind of melds together because what we're known for is live shows where you come and have fun, which is great. Right, and you can have you can have take from all those different areas and for for life show for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, but then what does it mean for you? I mean, when you get something like that, like a cover song that gets just a ridiculous amount of views on YouTube, what what <laughs> how do you even approach that? Like it's got to be super weird because it's definitely not your your core audience that is checking this out. Like what what is that like sort of suddenly turning on, you know, your YouTube channel and suddenly there's just this, you know, triple digits uh, in the thousands? Uh, I can answer. I can answer sure. this one. Um, you know, for me, I think it was the craziest thing is to see the messages and the like the the audience that this hits. Right? I mean, you're thinking, okay, I'm playing a gig at the Times or you know something local, and then you get an email or a, a message from somebody on the other side of the planet who's going, I'm checking out your stuff and I'm loving, it. and that's so cool. Yeah. You know, I think I remember one of the first messages was someone from like Dublin, Ireland, that sent a message to us, and you're going like, wow, that's but really far away and to think that you know we recorded this you know without any thought of that you're just doing this for fun and then on the other side of the planet people are enjoying it so it's really kind of neat to, to have that and i mean for me the number of views 
it's cool, but the, the idea that that's just reaching that many people is really the, the yeah. thought that I like is, you know, that, that many people have gotten an opportunity to see us that you just never really kind of had that plan when you did it. Yeah, that's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, that, that must, must be a nice, must be a nice feeling to see that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, I guess I mean, like, what you're doing too is um something that has a pretty wide appeal, right? I mean, just just evidenced by the type of shows you're playing. Um. Do you have sort of a, is there like a typical fan of your music that you can you can kind of pinpoint, or is it just a, a really a wide range uh, depending on I guess the venue and uh, and what's what's happening at the time? I think it's a huge range for sure. Like we have we have, like our time show. Uh, that we do on a monthly basis is uh, the Nolan night is a perfect example of that. Like the, uh, the early, early show, which is seven to nine is uh, has a lot of, you know, uh, older people, uh, an older crowd that doesn't want to stay out till one in the morning. It also has uh, families and kids, you know, under the age of 10 even are there and everyone's there dancing yet. We play the late show and start at 1130 and that's a completely different crowd and they love it too. And, and then we play, you know, kids fringe at noon and we have kids you know, like we, we hit, we appeal to a lot of different people. So I've, I've seen you at the kids fringe with my kids and yeah. they dug it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> right on, yeah. right on. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think, I don't think there is a, there's a, a specific type of audience member or fan that we can really pinpoint for sure. Like, yeah.
but when it when it comes to um your original music too, I mean. You're obviously all accomplished musicians. I've been reading your bio on your website, and it seems like there's a pretty uh, uh, serious academic background as far as music for a lot of you as well. Plus, you've been doing this for as long as you have, and and all that. I mean, you you clearly the band has that New Orleans influence. You're influenced by more modern stuff, as evidenced by the covers. What are you trying to, I guess, put across with your original music? What are you drawing from as far as influences for creating something that's that's original and unique? Because there's clearly a lot of background that you're you're all coming from. Mm-hmm. I think that's usually a, a a challenge. I mean, we we often end up writing in in smaller groups because there is so much influence. Um, uh, you know, cla- classical music, all of the orchestral. Todd, you know, trained as a orchestral French horn player, um, and then J- Andrew and Andrew and Kyle went to went to Brandon for for jazz and. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of all over the place. Aaron is like a like a a roots guy. Taught him taught himself everything and is just like a library on different kinds of music. So what we what we often struggle with is is finding something that uh, you know that that just speaks to everyone um, because you know we could there are eight people sitting in a room. Um, you know everybody has an opinion about music, but especially the the eight of us who've been living it for so long that uh we can nitpick anything sure so um so that's that's why we hire producers who come in and say okay you know stop you've nitpicked this enough just play yeah uh, well, one thing I've, I've kind of tried to do uh bringing in a couple songs for this latest recording project was uh think about covers that we do or think about songs in our set that aren't ours that go over really well and then use that kind of for a template as like, oh, we should have a song that's like that. Or <laughs> kind of think of a theme or think of a style um, or think of an artist um, and then try to write something in that style that also fits the skills of the band, fits uh, the theme of the va- band, fit, you know, just kind of fits with us. Um, so that if our goal is to try to play less of other people's music and more of our music, but we know what of other people's music people like, <laughs> That kind of thing. Um, we kind of have just replaced some of that. Um, it's been one one way we go about it with thinking of ideas. I'd say one thing just to add to that is a lot of the times it ends up being that kind of collaborative group effort where someone comes in with ideas or their their perspective or how they want it, and then by the time we're done composing the whole song, it's just gone in so many directions and everyone kind of got what they wanted in it or out of it or you know right. it's kind of neat that that those changes happen where. You know, Joel nailed it. Like sometimes working with a producer who's kind of on the outside, who doesn't have an interest specifically. Uh, but you know, I know for myself, like I'm very much just feel oriented. So when I'm thinking, you know, we're listening to a song, I'm like it's not feeling right. I don't know what to say. I can't really identify it. But like I'm not doing this or like you know. But then you get the guys who are super savvy and well trained and can chart out everything. And I mean, that's such a huge asset to have. So sure. it's great to have the, the collaboration where you know at the end of it, it's not or Maybe it's not so at the beginning to have the goals, more so the the process is really fun and the product ends up kind of showing that where you have all these different influences and ingredients that really made it. So if I, you have a couple EPs out, right? Is that, is that it or is there, is there more than just two? I think you have two and then a single or something, right? Yeah, we've got two EPs out and then one from uh, Jazz Fest 2019, right, one live right. little three-track EP on Bandcamp. Um, but we have a new collection. That's kind of what we've all been talking about is music that nobody's heard <laughs> or they maybe have heard at our 
uh, at our shows because we've been playing some of it for a while. Um, but it's all yet to be released recordings. Well, I guess with that with that new stuff then that you're working on, I mean, how 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 do you how do you capture that? Because we, as we discussed, the live the live thing is important, right? Having that that kind of wanting people to dance and and, and having that whole vibe. How do you capture that on record successfully? Because I mean, there's a lot of you know, I mean, there's a lot of bands that are amazing live, and it just it just doesn't work on record, or vice versa. And it's always obviously like a you know a, a balance you have to achieve of getting kind of that 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 energy and that that in your faceness, and then also making sure that it's. Uh, you know, all their eyes uh, are dotted and T's are crossed on the studio side of things. So h- how do you balance those two? How do you get the live sound or the live energy, I guess, on a, a recorded, on a record? Uh, I, get, I I don't have a whole lot to say, but the, the thing I think that, works, that we're starting to realize that works a little bit better is to have less, um, less uh, layers or like just having, kind of having as much of it, as much of the product being played at the same time as possible. I guess is what I'm going to try to say, like make beds of rhythm section and then all the horns and not try to separate the horns and try to have as many people play at once at the same time kind of is the best way. I think we've so far found that can, we can kind of recreate that live feel. Cool. Um, that's my two cents, I guess. Yeah. It's def- definitely been a, a process of experimentation because our, our first album, we, uh, I mean, none of us had ever recorded a New Orleans brass band and we weren't really sure how it was going to work out. So we just kind of all piled into the studio and um, I think picked some of the tunes that we were going to put on the album in the studio and we just kind of rolled tape and, uh, you know, it, it, it turned out pretty good. But then coming away from that, I think we did go through a period where we were experimenting a little bit with, um, you know, recording things separately and, and getting into that really isolation, uh, isolation sound. And again, there's, there's some New Orleans, uh, style brass bands, uh, like Youngblood. Um, they, they do that. They just like, everything is so meticulous and, um, it's, uh, uh, very, very, very detailed and very, very isolated. And then they, they combine it together in this huge sound. And yeah, the process that, like Andrew was saying, uh, the process that works for us is is kind of somewhere somewhere in the middle that we have we have control over it. And you know, after we've we've got the main parts down, then you know we track vocals separately, obviously. And Aaron goes in and overdubs, you know, organ and keys and clav and. Um, you know, layers that stuff in and then Scott senior goes in and does percussion. And, um, so there is, there's, there's layering, but, um, but, uh, keeping the horns as a group, keeping the rhythm sections as a group seems to, seems to work really well for the final product. And, um, this, this new album coming up, there's some, there's some pretty exciting music on there that just, uh, you know, feels good to listen to. So cool.
a lot of it comes down to the people involved too. I mean, you know, one thing working with Murray that I've kind of experienced is that, you know, and, and Lloyd, to be honest, the, the engineer and the producers, they, they really drive those performances from from the like from the artists. I mean, you know, going at the studio with you know Cody and Steve. I mean, those guys. You know, we don't we don't call it a done done track until it feels great and you're like this is what like that felt you know you gotta you gotta imagine the audience you gotta have that energy there you gotta bring the game like it's you know 2 a.m and you're just pumping at it and working with those people you really do kind of get those moments and you know you feed off each other and it, it's real solid players that really also up the game in that that makes it a, 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 a it is a game changer really cool do you have um, a timeline for when this is going to be released, the new one, or is it? Has I'm assuming COVID has kind of thrown a wrench in all of that as well, right? Uh, yeah, no specific timeline yet, but there is. Uh, one of the songs was released on the Times Change. Um, still got a lot of. Uh, I think we still got a lot of living to do. Yeah, they did yeah. a um, a fundraiser album. Um, so one of our songs, "Come On Now," which is maybe one of the more traditional sounding, kind of blues honky tonk kind of sound to it that that is on that compilation um and the rest of the stuff we are in the final stages of editing all the tracking has been done so the remaining songs will get mixed and mastered hopefully within the next couple of weeks and then from there um we'll start figuring out what we're going to do with it cool well one of the things i was thinking too is i mean you know Obviously, once you have this done, you, you, it'd be great to get it out there and for people to hear this, uh, you know, for the first time. Uh, I'm sure you've been living with it for a while, just as that's the people who created it. But how do you? I mean, I think with most bands that I talk to on here, there's a very kind of obvious way that they promote a new record or how they market themselves. And you know, whether it's a it's a rapper or a, you know a punk band, how do you? What, what do you even call sort of? I don't want to say what genre is it, but when you're trying to sell your record and you're trying to get, you know, whether it's getting shows on, getting on festivals, things like that, how do you market yourselves? You just call it like a New Orleans style brass band or, or how do you, how do you term it? Yeah, I think that's the, the clearest distinction. There is a, I think that would be the categories, New Orleans style brass band, but we then also are a little bit unique within that tradition because uh, we have, a keys player and a full drum kit and a really awesome lead singer. Yeah. Um, we kind of fall into funk and soul, like modern funk as well. Um, I guess you could say, but then we also don't have a guitar player, so it's all, <laughs> it's all up in the air. Well, and then there's obviously jazz elements too, right? And I mean like, so yeah, you're kind of straddling a bunch of genres. Yeah. I guess if we're trying to sell it to a live setting, like if we're trying to sell it to festivals, uh it's dance music it's like um that party large ensemble group. party group that you see at a lot of festivals that's yeah. kind of the the ticket we're trying to fill um when, when shopping for festival buyers and then i guess probably a lot of your your album sales i would imagine are, are just from shows right you probably get a lot of people just uh buying it off the merch table totally yeah yeah Maybe we not haven't really uh, yeah we haven't really tried or we haven't done a recording it's been a while since we've put a recording out to really the way music has been consumed or how it's changed in the yeah. past even five or six years um like the last ep we did was really just when spotify was and streaming was kind of just starting to really ramp up so the whole playlist approach the whole curator um way of getting your music heard is 
um, we're still learning how to navigate that. Well, and it's, I think it's difficult for everyone, too, because, I mean, especially every band that's been around as long as you have, because the things have changed so quickly in such a short amount of time, too, in the way that, that just like you said, the way people consume, not only the way they, that they buy things, but just the way they listen in general. I mean, people often won't even buy a record anymore. They just sit there on, on YouTube or something and, and, you know, just just watch the videos and stuff. So, yeah, it's like a weird uh, dystopian future <laughs> we're all in. But... Uh, <laughs> If people want to hear you, I mean, I, I know that like within Winnipeg, uh, and which is the majority of people listening to the show, you're you're kind of a known quantity. I mean, people have probably seen you live at one of uh, thousands of events. But if someone's hearing about you for the first time on the show, what's the best way to check out your stuff? Where would you direct them to to find your music and to uh, I guess keep in touch with what you're going to be up to in the future? Uh, I think the best way is to come see us. Yeah. Um, for sure. That would be the best way. Uh, so, you know, we got shows happening all the time and people can keep up to date with that on our website, which is just dirty catfishbrassband.com. And it's all up to date on our socials, um, on Instagram and Facebook. And that's all dirty catfish brass band. Cool. Um, it's our handle on all of those. Um, and then, you know, you can check out some of our stuff on YouTube and some of our, um, our stuff on the streaming platforms, but to get a real taste for the band and what it is that we do live is, is the place to go. So we're at the times changed on main street, the around the first Friday of every month, at least once a month. Um, and we've got something new started up where we'll be at the rec room the last Saturday of every month. Um, that's a place we've just kind of started playing there and we are finding that it's, um, you know, has a lot of potential to to meet a new audience and have some people stumble onto the band that may not know that Winnipeg has uh, a New Orleans style brass band uh, in their hometown. So, cool. uh, and then shortly after this airs, we will be doing a um, a show on Bad Thursday. That would be April fourteenth, Thursday, April fourteenth at Park Alleys. Oh, cool. It'll be our first time there. So a good friend of ours, um, Carrie, does all the booking, and we've been trying to get in there for a while. Um, schedules are finally lining up. So that's what I would say. Come see us.
smiles on her lips, a glass on the ceiling. All the girls showing love, all the boys we get your feelings. But once you see her face, her eyes, you'll remember. And you have it far harder than a Sunday in September. Whether it's a banana, cancer in Atlanta, she walking any river is in of your antennas. She keeps flying straight to the moon and to the ghettos. Wearing teeny shoes and red blasts or insulettos. Illuminating all that she touches on the sparrow. I'm on today, Jonah, but all could be a pharaoh. Classy, sassy, but you in a razzle dazzle. Your magnetic energy would have you coming home a glassy. Ooh, shock it, break it, baby. Electros, a vista, funky lady. You the kind of girls who ain't afraid to get down. Electric ladies, scream out loud. Ooh, shock it, break it, baby. Electric lady, electric lady. Ooh, shock it, break it, baby. Electric lady, electric lady. Ooh, shock it, break it, baby. Electric lady, electric lady. Ooh, shock it, break it, baby. Electric lady, electric lady. 